the Academy Award for Best Picture. La La Land. La La Land has 14 Oscar nominations this year and is tied for the most nominated movie in Oscar history, winning seven Oscars. Production design, cinematography, original score, song, directing, actress, and best picture. Thank you. Thank you all. Um, thank you to the Academy. Thank you to <laughs> Lionsgate. Thank you to our incredible cast and crew. We're all up here right now. Um, thank you to Jamie Feldman, to Gary Gilbert. Thank you uh, to my parents for supporting uh, my choice to pursue a career in the arts, even though it was a little bit crazy. Um, Arthur Horowitz, you are my fantasy baby. Um, and to my kind, generous, talented, beautiful, blue-eyed wife and creative partner, Julia Hart. Whew. You have uh, inspired me to become the man I am right now, um, and more importantly, the man I'm still becoming. Um, there's a lot of love in this room, um, and let's use it to create and champion bold and diverse work, work that inspires us towards joy, towards hope, and towards empathy. Fred? It's the love of my life, Ali Lowy. I'm up here because of you. I love you so much. To my family, Maman, Papa, Jeff, homage, vous adore. Matt Pluff, you kicked this off. And Damien Chazelle, we're standing on your shoulders. We lost, by the way, but, you know. I'm sorry. No, there's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. Moonlight won. This is not a joke. This is not a joke. I'm afraid they read the wrong thing. This is not a joke. Moonlight has won Best Picture. Moonlight, Best Picture. I think you guys should keep it anyway. Oh, it's fine. I'm sorry. Guys, this is uh, very unfortunate what happened. Personally, I blame Steve Harvey for this. I would like to see you get an Oscar anyway. Why can't we just give I, out a whole bunch I, of them? I, I'm going to be really proud to hand this to my friends from Moonlight. That's Thank nice of you. That's very nice. Thank you. Very clearly, very clearly, even in my dreams, this could not be true. But to hell with dreams. I'm done with it because this is true. Oh, my goodness. Dearly, and you know I always want to support your wonderful ideas for this show. <laughs> Do you think La La Land I, I is the worst? You. Is this the worst movie that we have on the schedule? I don't know if 
it's the worst technically, but it's for sure the worst for me. <laughs> I think it may be the worst. Um, well, I don't know. We're going to get to Monsters Ball. <laughs> the, uh, the opening credits where they do the into cinemascope and then into color is my favorite part. Really? That's kind of surprising. We, I'm assuming you think it's the singing in the rain bit. No, I wouldn't have. I I wouldn't have expected that. But before we actually jump into the actual show this season, we have to actually set up these movies. Yes. Um, so normally we do not, but this season we're gonna switch it up a bit. So uh, have the idea of. What if we look at previous Oscar winners and determine if they are truly worthy of the statue that they were awarded? We're going to look at specifically in the, I would say, the the major categories. We're not going to really focus on like below the line stuff or technical stuff, but we're going to focus primarily on best film, best lead actor, lead actress uh, for the very most part. A couple of films we're going to talk about best director or best original screenplay. But for tonight's episode, uh, we are covering <laughs> the aforementioned La La Land uh, because Emma Stone won best actress over the likes of Meryl Streep and Natalie Portman <laughs> and, uh, and uh, Moonlight, who won Best uh, Picture in 2016. Both of these are 2016, but Moonlight won Best Picture. Over- uh, yes, in, in a stunning upset. <laughs> Hilarious. That's funny. So I think you're itching at the bit for La La Land. Should, so should we get to that one first? I'm looking at your favorite scene right now, by the way. Uh, it just finished, and Emma Stone is in her car practicing lines, and she is, has now flipped off Sebastian. Would it be out of pocket for me to just come in hot with Hollywood really likes jacking itself off, huh? <laughs> I mean, listen, like, <laughs> if you didn't know, now you definitely know. This is <laughs> this is a masturbation piece. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, I just, I don't, it's fine. It's competently made. It's got interesting colors. Yeah, they they the rainbow here. Uh, Emma Stone gives a great performance, but she and Ryan Gosling play two of the most hateable people I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm actually surprised you said you included her because I wouldn't have thought that you or anyone really dislike her. I don't really dislike her. I just, like, yell at her for giving him so many chances. (laughs) I mean, some people make the wrong choices in their their significant others. I don't know what to say. I've been one of those people. That may be why it makes me so mad. (laughs) Touche. Touche. I'm I'm not trying to purport myself as some sort of great relationship expert here, but, like, I... I hate it. (laughs) I hate it so much. If he cared so much about fucking audio technic bullshit, then he wouldn't have his fucking convertible roof down while listening to a tape. (laughs) If he cares 
cares that Ugh. much about audio technical verisimilitude? Put your fucking hatch up, jackass. <laughs> Yo, this may be the most easily hateable Ryan Gosling character. And I love him as an actor, but this character, like... <laughs> this is this is what the third movie where a white guy is going nuts over jazz in a Damien Chazelle universe like like this shit is he's got it's gotta stop it's gotta stop Whiplash is Chazelle right Yep that's Chazelle, that yeah. that at least I get right because like yes it's about like jazz but it's also about a lot more than like actual jazz and this guy is just the hey do you like jazz line from a b movie as a person <laughs> oh man <laughs> yo so <laughs> before we before we get into the the many issues we have with this movie is there any oh, positives wait, wait, wait. quick question before we get even further than that yes hey do you like jazz oh my god she says no. I hate it. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that her performance is good. I think that having now watched him in a bunch of interviews on the Barbie junket, I think he does a very good job of being this asshole. <laughs> yeah. He seems like a nice man who, you know, wears his like wife's initials in the Barbie font on all of his Barbie press junket outfits. He doesn't seem like this. I hope he's not like this in real life. I hope so. Additionally, I would say that I really, like I mentioned in my like opening, like, why are we doing this? And I'm mad at you spiel. The colors are really nice. Yeah. I'm watching it on mute right now and I'm enjoying it more than I think I've ever enjoyed it. Oh, cause you have to listen to words and songs yeah. <laughs> in dialogue. <laughs> I think city of stars is okay. Like I, I get it. I see what they're doing. Yeah. It's not interesting, but it's okay. <laughs> I just like, I love a good movie musical. I know this. I really do. Mm -hmm. This ain't it. And like, it's not enough of a musical to be a musical. It's not enough of a not musical to be a movie with music. Um, I consider this a musical. I would consider it a musical. Yeah, but it's like... I guess then I would call it a clumsy musical because I hate musicals <laughs> where it's like you can just like hear the actors go, well, it's time to break into song. Like there's no <laughs> intuition to it. You know what I mean? Oh, uh, you know what I got annoyed by very quickly? Every time something was going to serious, like serious happen, like in a very somber tone, all the lights dim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But also, like, Emma Stone is showering right now, and they're, like, they're poor in, in L.A. And I'm like, that bathroom is the size of my kitchen. And I have a decent-sized kitchen. It's four of them in a house, in an apartment in L.A. somewhere, with purple trash cans and matching handbags. And uh, bright pink bathrooms with classical tile that costs an arm and a leg to keep in pristine condition. And, and classic Ingmar Bergman uh, posters that are going for thousands of dollars on eBay. Like, 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 <laughs> I don't want to say that this movie has problems with its own verisimilitude, but I mean, it makes me laugh because at one point, I think one of the casting directors that she's like seeing during like the commercial thingy that she does 
while she's like acting refers to her as homely. Oh. And I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, the, she has a a Ingmar Bergman billboard fucking paste <laughs> up in her bedroom. I am. Um, I don't know how to say this. Go for it. You think Damien Giselle had spoken to a woman yet? <laughs> I mean, he went entirely whiplash not. So, <laughs> so this one's a little iffy, a little tricky. This, this seems like woman fan fiction. <laughs> Where it's like, I'm going to meet this woman, and she's going to like classical film, and she's going to be beautiful, but nobody knows it yet. And uh, she and her girlfriends are all going to have coordinating colors and they only ever wear their coordinating colors. And uh, they're going to live in a beautiful apartment and she's going to love me, a sad jazz weirdo who is overtly mean and predatory. (laughs) You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. In my letterbox review, I took... And I did not plan this. I just happened to take 30 notes on it. And one of the things I noted that where are the people in this movie? Like, where are the people? Where are the real people? Where are the souls of these L.A. individuals? Like, none of this just feels real at all. Yeah. Like, the the dress that she goes out in is a blue version of the Marilyn Monroe cat on a hot tin roof. Or no, um. The seven-year itch. It's a seven-year itch dress, just in blue. One of the other ones is wearing the dress from fucking Chicago. Like, <laughs> people are not this, like, aha, pretty and normal, aha, and wearing these specific costumes. <laughs> I mean, there's not a there's not a fat person under 50 years old. This um, that's just <laughs> L.A., Mark. Um, uh, oh, yeah, you know what? Absolutely right. My bad. My bad. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just saw the, the, the guy who swan dived in the pool and just did the dance. <laughs> oh, my God. This movie is a lot. It's a lot. And I feel bad. You know what? I actually don't, though. I don't. I, I want it to be good because the little girl that loves musicals wants it to be good, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I wish that there was a good, like, slice of life, like, acting, trying to make it in the world, meeting a shitty guy musical, right? <laughs> but, man, is this one not that? Yeah. Like, I... Even though I don't necessarily like this movie, I gave it a three star on Letterboxd. Like, I have an appreciation for Chazelle's appreciation for dance, music, and color, but everything beyond that is just severely lacking. <laughs> yeah, it's it's aesthetically really pleasing. I like how pink this party scene is right now. You know, the choreography is really solid. I like when everyone's like moving in slow motion, but it's it, which is a musical theater trope. But like it feels very like when you're alone at a party and it's too loud and and whatever, you know? Yeah. And then as she gets further and further outside and starts getting more and more space, the people start moving faster and faster. And yeah. like, I dig that. Clearly, he's watched a lot of like Stephen Sondheim movies and I get I, I love that. 
or Stephen Sondheim musicals, and I, I get that, and I love that. I just wish that it was like a like I don't want to say about something, but like. I mean, to be honest, I wish it was. His, I wish it was. Other, some of his other movies are like, yes, Whiplash is about playing the drums, but it is yeah. also about standing up for yourself. It is also about figuring out who you are. It is also about control, right? Whether that is of your instrument or of other people. Like, there's a lot of like layers, and I feel like La La Land is basically like L.A. baby. You know, it's funny. And, like, that's kind of it. He goes through a lot of effort to show you, like, the environments and the landscapes and the scenic views. But I didn't feel like L.A. was a character in this movie. Like, there's certain no, movies LA like... L.A. is the moral. <laughs> like, like, if you think of, like, um, when Harry met Sally in the way that New York just kind of just changes and fluctuates throughout that whole movie, like, you feel as if, like, you're in like that's that that headspace of 80s New York. This is just like, you know, we got palm trees and a lot of buildings in the Rialto. And, and a lot of pretty lady faces. Yeah. Like if, she walks by every single piece of pretty lady actress graffiti in New York or in LA in one scene that implies that there are just like thousands of women painted on one block. <laughs> yeah and i'm sure that the idea is that it's meant to be about like the transience of there's there's a thousand women and why are you gonna be the woman and like whatever but like okay <laughs> yeah we know that was there a specific moment the first time you watched this where you just kind of laughed out loud at the ridiculousness. I think for me, it was when they were in the auditorium and then all of a sudden they'd started floating like Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. Like that was uh, the moment I where actually, I lost this, it. This is, this is the first time I've ever finished it. Holy shit. I've tried multiple times to finish it and I have rage quit every time. <laughs> oh, man. And even now, I'm trying to think about, like, think back to watching it, because I watched it, like, four days ago. And I think I might have blacked some of it out. <laughs> Did you black out some of the jazz parts, or? I just mostly, mostly Ryan Gosling, like, moving. <laughs> oh, like, I also feel like he, I don't really know how to say this. Go for it. I feel like they maybe just coded him as like a some sort of neurodivergent, but chose not to invest in that at all. Um, maybe. Because he seems to have like, I don't usually like to diagnose or anything, but like he seems fairly OCD. Yeah. And he's very particular and... I generally really dislike films that are like, that's how you know he cares. Like, he's a monster. <laughs> that's how you're like, Whiplash is a send-up of that, right? Like, yeah. Miles Teller sees himself becoming this monster man that he does not want to become. And so he has to determine what is the art worth to him. Yeah. And this guy is just like, ruining all my relationships, being generally insufferable. 
worth it to make like nine dollars an hour, baby. Like <laughs> I get it in a lot of ways. I really, really do. I wish that we had just gotten to see more moments of genuine joy from him because I think that would have like humanized it a little bit instead of him yeah. just being insane the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, he he has no joy in this entire movie. Like, no, that's kind of a wild existence to have your lead male actor, and then trying to garner like, sympathy for him. Like, it's even even if we just saw him, like he's only happy when he's playing, and he's so that makes it all worth it, right? But like, I don't really feel that we get that. Yeah. So what is it all for? Even in the final scene, which it's funny, you like the very opening. I kind of do like the I like the ending, but I think I like it for the swing that it tries to take. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought for a second it was gonna be like Casablanca, but uh, no, we're we're gonna do full singing in the rain. Uh, <laughs> and his kind of solo at the piano to where, in that moment, the person that you have said you're gonna love for the rest of your life is in there with her now husband, and you're like seeing that for the first time. I can definitely understand how in that moment you would have this kind of morose somberness and then have to play piano in front of a room full of strangers. That makes sense. But there's no other point in the movie to where it just kind of makes sense that he's continually sad like the entire time. Like it's it's just a lot to be around. And why and why would her character really be attracted to it? I've seen people kind of talk about, you know, their chemistry and and people wanting them to have another movie together. But in this movie, I I don't see where their characters have chemistry. Like, they're both great actors, but I don't necessarily see it. Just now occurs to me that this has a very similar ending to Portrait of a Lady on Fire, where they just, like, (laughs) silently smile at each other from across a music venue and the whole argument of like you gave up on your dreams, you only liked me better, like you only liked me because I was unsuccessful and I made you feel good about yourself. Like that's a good argument, but I swear I paid attention to this movie. I swear. That is like not not the vibe at all. Like at all. Like he did a <laughs> shitty thing and instead of acknowledging that he did a shitty thing at all, he just is like, oh, so you don't want me to be successful? Which is such a man thing to do. Very much I, so. I guess I've got to give credit to Damien Chazelle for being a good white man writing good white men. <laughs> Thank you for acknowledging that shit men do. He has his finger on the pulse. So <laughs> oh, man. I think my last moment of this movie uh, was reading the credits and saying Mandy Moore did the choreography. And I'm like, oh, whoa, okay, I'll see you, Mandy. And then I look to see which Mandy Moore it was and like, oh, the the world has more than one Mandy Moore. Like, okay, well, appropriate, appropriate to dismount the movie with disappointment. So, <laughs> you know what I needed? I just needed like one maybe two scenes where we see him play and we just see a sense of peace wash over him or whatever, or just make him completely insane. Right. And make him like, (laughs) I was one 14th of one eighth of a measure off. 
and like my life is ruined because of this. Because then yeah. I feel like that's like a passion that you could fall in love with, right? Like that insanity of like he's so obsessed with everything and he's so has such high attention to detail, but he like chooses to think about me. Yeah. You know, and, I, and instead he just kind of because he wants to like make it, but also he's like obsessed with jazz, but also he likes her. It just like it, it splits his interest in too many ways. I think the only scene that he has any kind of passion for playing is when he's playing with the black jazz band. But even that scene, the way it's shot, a lot of it is focused on her dancing to the music. And like a lot of like environment scenes where they're showing like the rest of the dance floor. But I think that could have been just a moment of let's just focus on Sebastian enjoying this moment. He's with this <laughs> with his black jazz band getting his dreams fulfilled. But we don't need to see, you know, Emma Stone dancing. Let's just look at him but and enjoy this even, moment. Even the way that he talks to the guy that's firing him is so like, like. <laughs> Yeah. And he thinks he's getting away with it. He thinks he's on to something. He thinks he's figured it out. I mean, and that just seems gross. <laughs> just a bit. Just a bit. Uh, I guess the last thing for La La Land. Can we see why Emma Stone won Best Actress in 2016 for this movie? Because... <laughs> uh... I need you to just say, no, Jamal, you be tripping. So that's probably why. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, this is my classroom. You don't like it, the door's to my left. Lady, why you be tripping like that? No, Jamal. You be tripping. No, I mean, honestly, I feel like maybe she... She is acting a lot in this movie. Yeah. And I think that she does a really good job. And I also think... It was surprising to everybody that she was able to dance and sing passably enough to hold this movie. It's passable. <laughs> I really wish I liked this movie. <laughs> I really want to talk to people that do like this movie. You and I are the only people on my friends list that like don't have it on Letterboxd like, below five stars. Shit. And I don't understand, but There's I want to. There's a couple of folks on Twitter that I follow that really like this movie. Hey, if you really it. like this movie, come on the show. <laughs> Please tell uh, us what I, you think. Damien Chazelle, I don't know if you're working right now, but uh, if you want to come talk about Hollywood, but not any of the writing or acting or directing parts, come on the show. Well, I love Babylon. Like I, I fully I love would, Babylon. We can't talk about it if he's on the show because it struck work. So come on the show. Bad come one. talk about your favorite female actresses represented in graffiti. Come on the show. <laughs> talk about your favorite tortured musician tropes. Talk to us about your favorite color. <laughs> oh my god. I would I would talk about colors with Damien Chazelle. Although that might be considered related enough to films that it might fall under struck work and I don't want to make him into a scab. I'm sure he's made other movies I like besides Whiplash. I just haven't seen it yet. You never saw Babylon, right? I don't no. think you would like Babylon. Yeah. So I've heard from literally everyone in the whole fucking world. Yeah. <laughs> but I love that movie a lot. 
Babylon. I'm really happy for you. Oh, man. What up, Doe, loved ones? It is I, Brett the Hitman Hart. Welcome to the Rasslecast Power Hour. I am one third of your world podcast tag team champions, B Hyphen. I am your point guard. I am the one who passes the rock to Handsome Bane. And then Handsome Bane passes the rock over to the Mark Rob, showing mad love. Now, let me explain to you why the Rasslecast is the best. We're not your run of the mill wrestling show. We don't talk about news. Okay, sometimes we talk about news. We don't break down what happens on every segment every single week. We're here for the love of professional wrestling. So when we so when we have a new guest, we find out how they fell in love with professional wrestling. And then also, we have two other members. We have Ace Reporter, Kit Kat Kitteridge herself, Kat Chinetti, and then we have Microphone Fiend, novelist of the Swordcast. He comes and joins. She comes and joins. It's a great big party when all five of us are together. We call ourselves the Rasslecast Power Rangers. It's kind of a big deal. But seriously, enough of me talking. Go to your podcast listening device, Rasslecast Power Hour, five stars, follow. Make sure you don't miss any more episodes. And really, if you do, then I'll just send our secretaries after you. Sayonara, smelly nerds. And the Oscar goes to Mahershala Ali. This is the first Oscar in nomination for Mahershala Ali. My grandma would want me to button up. <laughs> um, wow. Um, I want to thank my, my teachers, my professors, my, has so many wonderful teachers. And uh, one thing that they consistently told me, Zelda Fitch Handler, Ron Van Loo, Ken Washington, is that it wasn't about you. It's not about you. It's about these characters. You're a servant. You're in service to these stories and these characters. And uh, I'm so blessed to have had an opportunity it was about Juan, it was about Chiron, it's about Paula. So for the pivot, the movie that beat La La Land and Best Picture, and actually it beat, I think looking back, I think Moonlight, especially in the moment for what it represented, and I would say how it's aged for me, I can see why this would have won Best Picture. I think it's really incredible, but what are your thoughts to start off for Moonlight? It was my first time watching that as well, and I thought it fucking ripped. I think it is such a nest of strong performances. Also really good lighting and color. Yeah. At least we both got that. <laughs> yeah. And, like, some really good writing, but also just some really good understanding of that writing. Like, I think that those performances are amazing and yeah. honestly if you told me oh there was no script we just filmed these three sets of actors concurrently after telling them like what was going to happen in the scene like it feels so natural that i would believe that yeah i've actually been avoiding watching moonlight again primarily because 
when I first saw it, it was it was very overwhelming, but I didn't necessarily want to be let down or to rewatch for it not being as good as I remembered. And mm-hmm. I think even in the moment, I think I was so kind of overwhelmed by the emotionality of the movie. I could have told you in 2016 what the movie was like, the plot points and like what happened in the movie. But I don't know if I could have fully articulated like what the movie was like actually about. And in this rewatch that I did, I think I fully saw and fully experienced the movie and the emotionality of it and the the three, three basically generations of this one character and how the people around him affected him, whether it's through love or through hate. I think everything that was crafted in the movie, I think it was really sharp, really spot on and really careful and thoughtful about how black men in this kind of environment that he grew up in, how they mature and how they hide themselves and hide their true selves as kind of the shield. So when we get to the third character, Black, or at least in that iteration of who his character is, Chiron has like completely created this idea of what a tough man is supposed to be as his shell. And then in that last conversation at the end, when he gets asked, who is you, Chiron? That was... Who is you, man? Who, me? Yeah, nigga, you. Same man in front. That car. Who is you, Chiron? I'm me, man. I ain't trying to be nothing else. Oh, okay, so you, you hard now. Yeah, I ain't say that. Well, then what? Hey, 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 I ain't trying to hem you up, man. It's just, I ain't seen you in a minute, and it's not what I expected. Well, what did you expect? Everything leading up to that moment was so worth it and so heartbreaking, but then you had the end and the climax and the conclusion, seeing how the scene ended, and I think the movie is truly special. It's truly one of a kind. You're the only man that's ever touched me. You're the only one. I haven't really touched anyone since. I agree. I also think that it's really important i will say the the hero of the movie is male tenderness yeah mahershala ali easily could have just chased him out of there yeah. and that would have been it and kevin could have lashed out at him and and called him the f-slur and that would have been that you know even if the attraction was there to protect himself i think it is very very rare Especially because, like, now just thinking about La La Land, right? Like, we don't see Ryan Gosling have any male friends, really. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say John Legend is his friend. <laughs> like, that's... Like, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. He doesn't have any emotional support except for her. Yeah. When she starts also having needs, he, like, flips out at her. 
<laughs> Very much so, yes. And Moonlight is really, it gets real sad. Yeah. But it gets real sad, but it ends with this little squirt of hope. <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely. That does not cheapen the sadness, which I think is important. Yeah. When the mom says, I, I know I've like fucked up a lot of times. You don't need to love me, but you need to know that I love you. That doesn't cheapen what she did in the past. That doesn't make what she's doing now like good either necessarily. But like at least it feels like a step. And I really like that all of those conversations felt like realistic places a, pe- a, a person might go. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my god, I know exactly where this is on the back lot right now. <laughs> what what scene are you on? She's uh, explaining about the gluten-free croissants. I mean... <laughs> uh, I think that's where they often film commercials for prescription drugs on that street, on the Universal back lot. <laughs> not surprising. Absolutely not surprising. Oh, actually, I, th- I think there's one shot where they sh- where they film a part of Get Shorty, uh, the John Travolta movie from '95. I think it's '95. <laughs> but they they want to have him in. Uh, he wants they want him to be in Quentin Tarantino's new movie, John Travolta. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> Quentin. Tarantino I feel like everybody. if anybody can get a good performance out of. Travolta, it's probably Tarantino at this point. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I think that he needs a director who's insane in the way that lines up with him. And it's either <laughs> going to be Tarantino revisiting Tarantino or it's gonna be someone like Wes Anderson that like turns him into a little automaton that does exactly what he wants and the exact timing he wants. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, I don't know. You know, the funny thing is, I think Moonlight is, I think, truly a movie to experience. I think it's, yeah. I think it's it's really easy to talk about what happens in the movie, but I think the actual payoff of the end, I think it's a little difficult to kind of put into words. And the, the I agree. I can talk about the final shot of the movie and, like, how much it made me feel feelings. But also, like, that doesn't help because (laughs) a lot of it is you have to, like, see all the little things you can see for that to land. Yeah. I mean, La La Land is... La La Land has no subtlety. Like, there's not a single thing. No, literally, the line... The line, uh, that's L.A., they worship everything but value nothing. Like, Chazelle thought he popped off with that line. It, it was like, jarring I bet, to I bet he bought himself, like, a nice bottle of champagne that day and was like, <laughs> Honey, I wrote the best line of my career. And, like, exactly. it's too earnest to be clever. <laughs> it's it's like they value nothing and worship everything. I want to be where the people are. <laughs> I, like I hate that they don't like my shit, but I'll make them understand. Like it's like <laughs> all right, all right. 
<laughs> now now take that scene that walking talking scene and then look at the scene in moonlight where Marshali and little man are in the ocean swimming I truly thought Mahershala Ali must have been in more of that movie than he was because of that Oscar win. Yeah. But like, nah, he in, he out. Efficiency. As as we know, Kit Kachinetti values efficiency in storytelling. Like she, like he definitely got that. Yeah. I wouldn't have been mad to see more of him because I liked his performance, but I also get the importance of getting him out of there. Yeah. What's a faggot? A faggot is... Word used to make gay people feel bad. Am I a faggot? No. No. Mm. You could be gay, but you gotta let nobody call you no faggot. I mean, unless. I wouldn't describe it as cheap, but it makes sense to where sometimes you have, you know, people in life who kind of teach you these things, but then there's going to be a point to where you have to kind of move beyond them. And so, and also what, you know, what the life he was living, it, it makes sense as to why his character would not have been around, you know, very much longer than that. So, so yeah, the choice to his effectiveness in that in the first third is so great that his presence is still felt throughout the rest of the movie anyway. But it also it makes a lot of sense, right? Because if he had been in his life the whole time, I don't think he would have become who he became. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we needed him to or there's no movie. Yeah. Or, or it's like the other Best Picture winner that uh, Mahershala Ali was in, which is, you know, nice oh. and patient black man solves problems <laughs> of society. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which uh, we don't need that many of. <laughs> you know, green, I, I'm, I, there's no way I would have put Green Book on this fucking list. Like, we know that shit should not have won anything. <laughs> I except for his performance. it for but, you. Uh, I would have rewatched it for you. Uh, nah, I also I think have. that Viggo Mortensen has a good performance in that movie. I do think he probably should have known better than to do it. <laughs> I mean, but I, I can't. Think... I can't say it's a bad performance because it's not. I mean, it's a I... bad. It's a bad movie with a bad moral and some bad writing. But I he think... does not do a bad job with it. 
actors make silly choices sometimes. Scar Jo was in Ghost of the Shell, which, oh my God. That's, that's, oh my God. I will never forgive her for that. Oh man. Actors be wanting to act, man. I, I, I get it, but you got to use some better judgment than that. But fucking Ghost in the Shell. Um, but. I'm actually glad that the the young actors from this movie are still, you know, in Hollywood and still making stuff. I know Gerald Jerome, like he was in the um, that I think it was a Netflix show that was highly acclaimed. So his career is is definitely taking off. Is this kind of the movie that like put a twenty four on the map in a lot of ways? I think so. From from beyond just a film nerd's perspective. I think this was the movie that it got pop culture aware yeah. of. Yeah, like it, it really got its oomph that year. Yeah, definitely. I'm just trying to look at who else was nominated in in 2017 for Best Actress and for what. So we've got actress in a. Oh God, we don't need to talk about Casey Affleck. Oh no! Oh no! I would have rather it had been Ryan Gosling. Anyway, moving on. Mahershal Ali for Moonlight, check. That's an obvi to me. Honestly, looking at all of these other nominees, I mean, maybe Ruth Nega. Yeah, for um. Loving. But even then, like, none of these performances are stand out to me. And so I think for her winning, like you said, it's an appreciation of everything that she does beyond just moving past the script, like the actual commitment to the dance and to the singing. So yeah. Viola Davis for fences. Okay. I'm not ever going to be, Oh, that was the year that it was like three black women. This was a good year. It should be like this more. <laughs> definitely. definitely. Uh, the animated feature film though. Fuck that swipe left there were two better choices than what actually won and i'm mad about it still i remember being so disappointed in that zootopia the copaganda animal movie one <laughs> up against kubo and the two strings and moana moana like one of the best movies of of the last 15 years in my opinion animated wise and kubo and the two strings is game changing for animation but nobody asked me Oh, and this was the year the OJ uh, documentary won. Oh, and this was the Suicide Squad year! Oh, no. Oh, no. I want to drink bleach for fun. Hilarious. I'm sorry, I forgot to refer to it by its official title. Oscar Award winner, Suicide Squad. Oh, no. Oh, no. OJ Made in America was fan-fucking-tastic, though. Fan-fucking-tastic. But... No Suicide Squad, please. Oscar award-winning. Oh no! Suicide Squad. That's a terrible thing. La La Land beat Moonlight for Best Cinematography. I which... feel like that was a toss-up. <laughs> well, yeah, they're. I mean, they're they have way larger aspirations in La La Land, and the look of the film. I I can admit. It it looks good. It it yeah. looks good. Even if like the some of the choreography stuff is like a little ham handed, it still looks good. Rogue One was nominated for, for best visuals, this makes sense, but And City of Stars 
Two one of the best. things won from La La Land, or were nominated from La La Land. How Far I'll Go from Moana, a beautiful song, just stunner, truly. I, I don't mean to just talk about Moana so much, but Moana got <laughs> shafted. <laughs> we're going to outro the episode with that song, by the way, just so you know. Oh, How Far I'll Go or City of Stars? Oh hell, no! City of Stars. How far I go? <laughs> I mean, you don't. I know you don't anime, but oh my god! Well, you anime, but you don't animation. But have you oh. seen Moana? Uh, no. <laughs> I think I think you could. I think you could dig it. If okay. nothing else, it's really visually lush and lovely, and the music is really good. It's a pretty simple fetch quest story, but it's a well done fetch quest story. The Rock is really funny in it because he's just being a little shit. Production so, design so for La La Land, sure, you can have that. I was going to say, so the best use of Rock's talent. Got it. Yeah. Yes, correct. And Barry Jenkins won the best adapted screenplay, which I totally support. Yeah. No, I think I think that's the fair choice. I'm sure Manchester by the Sea is fine. <laughs> I guess I'm just glad that La La Land didn't win screenplay. If that would want screenplay. If this would want screenplay. <laughs> oh my god, if this would want fucking screenplay, like oh no. God no. I mean I would I would argue that I think it won all the things it had a right to win. Shazelle won best director. Uh never mind, I take it back. That <laughs> that one <laughs> Oh, oh, oh no. I don't like that one at all. He beat Barry. He beat Barry Jenkins. He beat Denis Villeneuve and uh, Mel Gibson, which... (laughs) Yo, Hollywood is fucking shit, man. Hacksaw Ridge is actually... I remember liking it the year it came out, but in fairness, I was a baby, so... Hold on, why'd you see Axel Ridge? Because it got nominated for a bunch of Oscars. Well, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. That that was in my trying to see all the Oscar movies phase, so. Uh. If you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate us five stars, leave a review, and tell a friend to tell a friend. Follow Kat at Ketchinetti on X, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Follow Marcus at Show and Mad Love, S H O W I N M A D L O V, on X and Letterboxd. Follow the show at Cat and Mark on X. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenlee. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime. This, this is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained?